mercy. We thank you for your presence here today. We trust for good things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the first verse. Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the first verse. Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the first verse. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, faith is vital. It is what pleases God and what we need to receive from God. However, we must have hope before we can have faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about hope. I want to talk to you about hope. You know, as you look around in this nation in which we live, it's very easy to have no hope. You know, you've got sin getting worse and worse and worse seemingly. And, you know, you look into the political arena and that that's really not good. You look into the economic arena and... That's really not good. and You know, you look around on every side, you know, you've got a drought going on. You've got heat. I mean, it's real easy to lose hope. But one thing that God has his ministers do is come before the people and remind them that with God there's reason to have hope. And uh, so you need to realize that hope looks forward to and expects something good to happen. Hope looks forward to something good. Hope looks forward to and expects something good to happen. And you see in life, you can get to the point because God knows I've spent a good number of days where you just really, not, you get where you're just not really looking good. Or, Well, thank God that baby's doing more than you all are. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. I'd rather have a little wildfire than a bunch of, it's easier to tame wildfire than it is to raise the dead. Amen. Did you hear me? You know that a lot of times we never do get the fullness of what God has for us because of the congregation. They just sit there and look at you. Amen. Now, I don't mean you have to get up and run around like somebody crazy, but, you know, you can get in with me. Amen. And hit and hit what the Lord wants us to have. A lot of times, congregation, they're sitting there looking at you, but they've really gone to McDonald's. Is that right? Or they're thinking about lunch. What are we going to have for lunch? Well, hook up here. Amen? Well, get your hopes back up. Let me do my job, and you do your job. God will do his job, and we'll have a good time. Amen? 
So you get to the point where you just, you're just surprised when anything good does happen. Has anybody ever been there besides me? You're just surprised when something good does happen. And when it's bad things happen, it don't surprise you. You're more expecting bad things than good. Has anybody ever been there besides me, you know? Just, But, you know, it's real easy to lose your hope. Huh? Just lose your hope, you know? And uh, so we need to understand that we serve a God that with God all things are possible. And, And we need to get our hopes back up. We need to get our hopes back up and... And uh, and I tell you what, if you listen to this message this morning and catch a hold of it, you know, we can have hope. You know, uh, see, hope looks forward to and expects something good to happen. Hope looks forward to and expects something good to happen. Now, the only difference, really, between faith and hope is this. Hope is future and faith is now. That's the only difference between the two. Hope is future and faith is now. Hope looks forward to something good happening. Faith says I have it now. And, and, and you've got to get into hope before you can have faith. There's a lot of people, you know, they're wanting to have faith, but you've got to have hope before you can have faith. You've got to have hope that something good can happen. You've got to be looking forward to something good happening. Hope looks forward to. Hope expects. You have to have an expectancy about you. You have to have a looking forward to with confident expectation about you. You have to get there first. And once you get there, then then, then all you have to do to get in from hope into faith is hope says I'm gonna have I'm gonna have it. Faith says I have it now. Now when you get into that, now then everybody's gonna start looking at you. Like there's something wrong with you. Did you hear what it just said? Because you see, for example, like where healing is concerned, you know, uh, if you're sick, before we can get you well by the power of God, we're going to have to get you into faith. So before we can get you into faith, we've got to get you to the point where you're looking forward to and you really do think and, and, and you're convinced and you're expecting that the power of God can and will heal you. We've got to get you there first. But then once we get you there, then what you have to do to get into faith is say, uh, I'm healed. See, see, hope says I'm going to be healed. I can be healed. Faith says I have it now, even though it doesn't look like it. Now that's when, now that's when people really start thinking you're crazy, including most Christians, including most Spirit-filled Christians that speak in tongues. You know, you start calling yourself, faith calls those things that be not as though they are. You start, you start, you know, when, when, when sickness is in your body, you know, and you say, I'm healed, people start thinking you're crazy. Did you hear me? But you know what? I learned a long time ago, I don't give a rat's flip what people think anymore. Now, that may not be a real good way to say it, but you got what I meant. I do not care what people think about me anymore. I don't care. Did you hear me? You know, you know, I don't care. Did you hear me? Because I want to be pleasing to God. You can't, you know, if you're worried about what people think about you, you really can't be pleasing to God. 
I learned this long time ago to be a man of God in the pulpit. You, have, you can't care what people think about you if you want to really be pleasing to God. Did you hear what I just said? Did you, did you get a hold of that? You have to, I, I, I watch, especially like, like when, I, when, I, when I was in school and I taught school and the peer pressure and whatnot can be so tremendous. But I tell you what, you've got to get to the point where you don't care what your friends think. You just care what God thinks. Because I, I know, they came to me and they said, you know, uh, Terry, if you, don't, if you don't drink with us, if you don't, you know, cuss with us, if you don't do this with us and that with us, we're not going to be your friends anymore in high school. And, 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 and I just told them, I said, you know what, I don't care what you guys think of me, I'm going to serve God. And they made fun of me and they laughed at me and this and that and the other. But I don't care what those people think. I just care what God thinks. And now you look at some of those people that made fun of me in high school, and you look at where I am now, and you look at where they're at now, and then you choose which lifestyle you'd rather have, theirs or mine. I'd rather have the path I've taken. Amen? Did you hear what I just said? But see, if I would have cared what people thought, I would have started drinking with them and doing drugs with them and cussing with them and, 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 and sexual impurity with them and all that. And, I w- and there's no telling where I'd be today. So you can't, you can't be concerned about what people think. You have to be concerned about what God thinks, you see. And, and so, so, so uh, you know, as it pertains to hope, say this, say hope is future, and faith is now. Faith is when? Now. Now faith is, see, now faith is the what? Substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. See, faith is now. Faith says I have it now. Faith said I'm healed now, but it don't look like it. Well, it's the evidence of things not seen. But in order to get you into faith, we've got to get your hopes up first. Somebody said, well, you just wouldn't want to get people's hopes up. Why not? We ought to get people's hopes up. I need to get your hopes up flying higher than a kite because that's the only chance that I have to get you into faith. And then we get you into faith and then God starts moving and things start happening. Amen. Glory to God. Did you hear what I just said? So you say, well, 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 how do we get faith? Does anybody in here know how you get faith? How do, how do you get it? She's about ready to jump. Do, she's about ready to do a back somersault out of that sound booth back there. How do, we got one person in this charismatic church that knows how to get faith after I've been teaching all these years. Only one person knows? Well, she had her hand up first. Got to go back to my days. All right, tell us. How do you get faith? Okay, does any, do you know what verse that is? All right. Well, at least she knows it. That would be Romans 10:17. Some people know. So we know how to get faith. It comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God, which would imply you got to hear it over and over again. The word of God. Not some minister's jokes, is that right? But hearing by the word of God, right? So we know how to get faith. Is faith future or is faith now? 
Faith is now. And how do you get faith? By hearing and hearing by the... Alright, so that's good. But the question then is, well, we know how to get faith. Well, how do we get hope? Well, it's silence. It was so quiet. What did you, one preacher told me one time, it got so quiet in this church you could hear a rat lick butter. That's pretty quiet. Think about that. Do you know how to get hope? Was that a guess or do you have scripture? Look at Romans 15.4. Romans 15.4. Let's see if she was right. You're doing good. I'm proud of y'all. Let's see how sharp you really are. Is heaven up or down? There you go. All right. And and hell, which way is hell? Okay, you're doing good. Romans 15.4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So how do you get hope? Through the Scriptures. The same way you get faith. Is that right? Is that correct? So you get hope the same way you get faith. The only difference between faith and hope is that faith, hope says I'm gonna, hope says I'm gonna have it. Faith says I have it now, regardless of how it looks, feels, so on and so forth. Okay? So, let's look at a few scriptures here and some Bible stories to get our hopes up. Is that alright? Just a few scriptures and some Bible stories to get our hopes up. First of all, let's go to Matthew 8.17. Matthew 8.17. This one, we can all use this one. From time to time, it's hope for healing. Matthew eight seventeen that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He, does anybody know who that he is? That would be Jesus. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So that should bring hope to you. It should bring hope because, you see, Jesus took your infirmities and he bore your sicknesses. So if he did it, there's no reason for you and me to do it. Is that correct? Is that pretty simple? If he took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, if he, if he bore it, then there's no reason for you and me to have to do that. So that should bring great hope to you. There's another verse that says, with his or by his stripes, we were healed in the Old Testament, New Testament. On that says we are healed, right? So that brings hope, doesn't it? With Jesus' stripes, we are healed. So you see that we, we, we are healed. We are healed. That should bring hope to you that he's provided healing for us. Okay? Now, hope says I'm going to be healed. Faith says I'm healed right now. Is that correct? Now, you understand, I believe in, in, in cooperating with good doctors, hospitals, medicines, and all of that. I, 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 I mean, use hospitals, doctors, medicines, use them, take advantage of them. I would, I do, you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to that. 
I do think we need to have more faith in God than we do in the doctor, though. Will you agree with that? Is that fair? But having said that, now, now faith does not deny the problem. Faith deals with it. Did you get what I just said? Faith does not deny that there... Faith doesn't say the sickness... Well, the sickness just isn't there. See, that's, that's, just, that's just not smart. Do you understand that? Faith does not say, well, I'm not... The sickness isn't there. No, what faith says is that by His stripes I am healed. That's what faith says. Faith deals with the problem. Faith does not deny the problem. Faith deals with the problem. Are you okay? So this one scripture here, Matthew 8, 17, should bring hope to you that Jesus bore your sickness. He carried your disease. By his stripes, we are healed. So that should give you hope here today. And then all you have to do to get from hope over into faith, hope says, I'm going to be healed. Faith says, I'm healed now. Does it matter what it looks like? No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like. You know, we've, we've gotten a lot of people, I can't heal anybody, but we've gotten lots of people healed in this ministry over the last many years. Of everything you can imagine. And, and the majority of them, the majority of them, when I prayed for them under the anointing of God, under the power of God, when I prayed for them, now I can't heal anybody. But when we prayed for him, right after we got done praying for him, it looked no different. The situation in the natural looked no different than right before we prayed. And, it, and, and if I had to answer it just based on natural senses, I'd have said nothing happened. But faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And again and again, in some of the most outstanding testimonies we've got of healings and things over the years, it's, it's when the people, I, 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 we lay hands on them, and I tell them, I say, you know, how many of you have ever gone to the doctor and you got a shot? He gave you a shot. And then he also gave you medicine. Right? And, and how many people, when you're walking out of the doctor's office, you're crabbing and complaining, well, that shot didn't work. That shot didn't work. I don't feel any better. No, you've got sense enough to what? Let it work for a while. Is that right? And let it work? Is that right? And, and, and I've told him, I said, now this is your shot. Now take your medicine. What's your medicine? The Word of God. Stay in the Word of God. And again and again, we've had, I've already had on two occasions people dancing back in the door with their doctor's report of, 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 what, of what the x-ray or the doctor's report was before we prayed and after. But you see, they went out of here, and they stayed in the Word of God, and they took their medicine, and in the process of time, the healing manifested. Amen? You all right? You okay? So hope for healing. Now look at Philippians 4.19. Let's talk about provision. Hope for provision. Hope That's a pretty important one, isn't it? Particularly in this hour in which we live. Hope for provision. Hope for provision. My God shall, Philippians 4.19, Philippians 4.19, He will what? 
supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So he's already taken care of everything that you could need. Is that right? Is that correct? Now, now, now we're not talking about healing now. We already talked about that. I'm talking about provision. How many of you know you need provision, don't you? You need provi- I mean, you need, you, you need a roof over your head, don't you? I mean, you need food to eat. You need, he, he's provided that. So that should give you hope. Now, there's some things that you have to do all right. I mean, this church here in Philippi, they supported the work of God, didn't they? And so because of that, he was able to say, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you have to understand there's a natural side to provision and a supernatural side to it. The natural side has to do with working and budgeting and the what, what's, what's going out, what's coming in has to be more than what's going out. Is that right? Your budget? Is, is that correct? That's pretty simple, isn't it? You have more has got to be coming in than what's going out. There's a natural side to, to it. Then there's a supernatural side to it. You know, tithing and being a giver and that sort of thing. And when you put the natural and the supernatural together, you get a what? An explosive force for God, don't you? But see, God has already done everything that he's going to do as it pertains to your provision. Just like he's already done everything he's going to do as it pertains to your healing. Healing's already provided. Provision's already there. That should bring great hope to you. And as a result of that hope, then, what do you have to to do to step into faith to receive? You see, hope doesn't receive from God. Faith receives from God. Let me say that again. Hope doesn't receive from God. Faith does. But to get you into faith, we first got to get your hopes up, don't we? To get your hopes up, then you can step into faith. And all you have to do to step into faith is just bring it into the now. That I'm provided for. uh, See, hope says I'm going to be provided for. Faith says I have it when? Right now. Did you hear what I just said? Amen? So, so that should bring hope to you. That should bring hope that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. You know, it's an example we use again and again, but over the many years, not every service, but every one month or so I might say this, or two months or three months. But son, if I told you right now that I put $100,000 in your name at Rockwood Bank, I mean, what, 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 just tell me, what would it do to you? It would make you happy? Oh, you just, you look like you're just... <laughs> I'm glad he got so excited. Amen. (laughs) He's a good guy. Let's pick on these right here. Now, let me ask the two of you. What if I told you, do we have to go up that high? Let's just 10,000. That, you know, that's enough? What about 100? Would 100 get you? What would it take to get your blood going? Huh? Any money. <laughs> take any money. Okay, all right. Take, take it. Okay, all right, that's good. That's good. Hey, I like that. But you see, if we really get a hold of this scripture, 
He said he'd supply all. Now, it's one thing me standing here, you know, talking about these hypothetical things. But it's another thing when God's promised it in his word. If we really got a hold of that and got our hopes up, we'd be just just, just as excited as could be. Amen? You understand? And then, and then you take that from hope into, I have it when? Now. And, here, and see, here's where people start thinking you're crazy. Is when you're calling your, all, your, all your needs met, and in the natural, you're just still as broke as you ever have been. <laughs> and you know what I do? I just, when the naysayers come, I just smile and just... In the process of time, God brings it along. He supplies. Amen? Oh, he does. Oh, he does. He does, he does, he does. Glory to God. Let me try this one more time. What about 500,000? Will you still be happy? All right. What do you, well, how about a new set of golf clubs? Would that do? Okay, all right, all right. Uh, maybe we got to do this. This will get him. What about a brand new Ferrari? Where's the keys? Where's the keys? All right. But you know, we talk about all this stuff. But really, God, if we get a hold of what God's promised us, His promises are precious, aren't they? What about First John one nine? Let's turn there. Maybe, maybe you've maybe you've messed up. Has anybody in here ever messed up since they've been saved? Besides me. How many's messed up more than once? <laughs> and so on. But here's something that ought to bring you some hope. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from from what? From all unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that's good news, isn't it? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful? And there again, now here come the naysayers. You know, now you repented of it. You asked the Lord to forgive you. You confessed it. Now did he forgive it? It's gone, isn't it? And he chooses not to remember it anymore. But you know the devil will always send people along. And I'm talking... A lot of times, born-again, spirit-filled Christians. <laughs> and they'll come along and they'll work overtime to remind you of where you missed it. Is that right? But that goes right back. You can't care what, what people think. You have to care what God thinks. Is that right? And he said that if we confess it, now again, you have to do it with a repentant heart. You understand that. But this ought to bring hope. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from some unrighteousness. Oh, did it say all? What does all mean? All means all. That's really the biggest word in the Bible, isn't it? Or in the dictionary, all means all. So that means there's nothing that you could do that he won't forgive you of. So if you messed up, he's going to forgive you if you'll with a repentant heart confess it to him. Is that right? And then we, as Christians, when we see somebody miss it, we ought to come in there and be mature and spiritual and love on them and restore them, not beat them over the head. Is that right? How many of you, if you missed it and you repented, 
How many of you would like me when you showed up next week at the service, I come out there with the Bible and just beat you over the head and just beat you and beat you and beat you? You wouldn't like that, would you? No. No, because you see, you've, you've, you confessed it. You asked the Lord to forgive you, and he did. And now we're, gonna, we, we're a mature group around here, we'd like to think, amen. And we're going we're gonna to forgive you, and we're going to love you, and we're going to go right on and act like nothing ever happened. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that the way it ought to be? That's the way it ought to be, and that's the way we're going to have it around here. You, you understand that? We forgive people. We forgive people. You okay? You all right? You understand the spirit in which that was delivered, you know. I mean, if somebody went out and shot somebody with a gun, killed them. Now, we can forgive that, but now there's, there's consequences. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to go to jail. Is that right? So, so I'm all for that, you know. But you understand what I'm talking about? I mean, most things are what we deal with. If people, maybe they told a lie or maybe they did this or that or the other, whatever it may, may be. You know, it, it wasn't really breaking of the natural law so much as it was a breaking of a moral law or spiritual law. But yet we're going to forgive them, aren't we? If they'll repent and go right on with the Lord, you going to forgive them? Did you get what I just said? I mean, if somebody robbed a bank, we can forgive them, but now they're going to have to go to jail, aren't they? But now if somebody, if somebody gossiped, now they're not going to go to jail for that, are they? No. But if they repent, we're going to forgive them, aren't we? If somebody does us wrong and, and, and naysays on us behind our back or whatever, and they repent, we're going to forgive them, aren't we? So this ought to bring hope to you that no matter what it is you've done, no matter how, you know, God will forgive you if you'll repent and confess. Is that right? Now that's hope. I can be forgiven. And you know, really, people struggle with, Christians struggle with this. I struggle with this. Because faith says I'm forgiven now. And now here's the hard part. Is, is, is God's forgiven me. Now I ha- he, he's chosen to forget it. Now I have to what? I have to forget it. Forgive myself, so to speak. Forget it and move on. You know, that's hard to do. Because the devil will come and he'll throw thoughts at you. Well, what do we do to the devil? On the devil, right? Is that fair? We don't care what he thinks. You know, when he starts talking, this is not original with me, but you need to hear it again. When he starts talking to you about your sin, why don't you start talking to him about his sin? And here's the difference between us and the devil. We can be forgiven, but he can't. And you start reminding him about where he's going to spend a thousand years in the bottomless pit and then eternity in the lake of fire. You know what? You start talking to him about how he rebelled against God. You start talking to him about how he was the angel of the Lord and he sat right there just right under the Lord and he was the anointed cherub that covers and he had that position with God and, and, and he sinned and he rebelled and he's been cast down. You start reminding him that he's headed for the pit. I tell you what, that'll shut him up and he'll run him right off. Did you hear me? Amen. We're not headed for the pit. We're headed for the palace. Amen. 
Yeah, but pastor, I've just sinned too far. I've just gone too far. I just sinned too far. I just gone too far. I went too far. Well, you know what? There was a young man known as a prodigal son, and he was in his dad's house, and he was living just fine with his father, and he got to the point where he didn't want to live with dad no more, and he became rebellious and rambunctious, and he went to his father, and he said to his father, give me what's mine. I'm going to go out into the world, and, and so on. And so the father gave him what was his, and he went out into the world, and he thought he knew better than his father, and he thought he knew better than this and better than that, and so on and so forth. And in the process of time guess what he winds up in the pig pen is that right and he's eating the, he's eating the, he's eating the pig's food is that correct and in the pit he and in, in that pig pen in that pit he decided you know what i've sinned against my father i'm going to go back to my father's house i just i just won't even want to go back as a son i just want to go back as as a servant just because my father's servants are eating better than me and so he with a repentant heart he turned and he went back to his father's house and the bible says that when he was yet a far way off his father looked and saw him coming and, and his father was excited and and he came up to his father and said, Father, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. And, and, but what did the dad do? The dad killed the fatted calf, put a ring on his finger, and, and put a robe on his back, and they threw a party, and his father received him back in. Now, if the prodigal son can get back, how, how much more can you and I get back? Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. You know, God is the God of hope. He brings hope to hopeless situations. I said God's the God of hope, and he brings hope to hopeless situations. I said God's the God of hope, and he brings hope to hopeless situations. I think of Moses at the Red Sea, you know, and he's got Pharaoh's army on one side and he's got the Red Sea on the other. What are you going to do? What are you going to what are you going to do? That's a hopeless situation. But you see, he was out there in the will of God and the power of God came and held Pharaoh's army off. You see, and then God in that night, he parted the Red Sea and then they crossed over on dry ground. And then the next the next morning, you know, when Pharaoh's army came, then the Bible says the sea came in and destroyed Pharaoh and all of his chariots and all of his army and the Bible says that the enemy that you now see you'll no longer see him again glory to God that was a hopeless situation but God turned that hopeless situation around Moses had a rock he was between a rock and a hard place you know but bless God forevermore he had hope in the God that turns hopeless situations around and they crossed over that Red Sea as on dry ground praise God forevermore I think about the widow of Zarephath you know she didn't have any food it was just down to bare just the bear, just bear, almost nothing left. And the prophet of God came in, and he said, "Go make me some food." And, and, and the widow said, "Well, I don't have, I don't have much left. Just a little bread, a little oil, and, and we're going to eat it. Me and my son, we're going to die." Now, if that's not a hopeless situation, I don't know what is. But the prophet said, "Just make me a little bit first. So she obeyed God, and she obeyed the man of God, and she went. She got the, uh, the little cake, and she brought it to the man of God. And the Bible said, her and her house, house ate for many days. God turned that thing around." I tell you what, we serve a God of hope, and he turns hopeless situations around. Can anybody say amen? I think about that, that woman, that one prophet's wife, he dies, and he leaves her in financial straits, you know. And, and what is she going to do? And the Bible says the creditor was come to take away her sons and all that she had. But you know what? God showed up, the man of God showed up, you know, and he said, go get all the containers that you have. And, and, and so she went around, she got all the containers she could get, and she sat them there, you know, and, 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 and then the oil just started coming in. coming. In. Remember, how many of you remember that? And the oil just kept coming and coming up. And when she ran out of containers, the oil stopped. Then she went out and she sold the oil. She had enough to pay off the creditors. I'm going to tell you what, we serve a God that can turn hopeless situations around. Can anybody say amen? 
Glory to God. Now, you say, well, that's supernatural debt cancellation. Well, I don't believe that, that, that you, can, you can preach supernatural debt cancellation to people because, because it's not really a doctrine of the Bible. But I do, because, you see, you can't go out and run your credit cards mile high and do financially unwise things and then just expect God to supernaturally cancel your debts. How many of you know that dog don't hunt? Is that right? However, if you've done all you know to do and you're like this woman here, this was beyond her control. Her husband couldn't handle money very well and he was a preacher. But, but, but she, she, she got in a situation where, where she, you know, what's she going to do? I tell you what, if you're in a situation that's beyond your control as it pertains to finances, I tell you what, you can cry out to God and he's a God that turns hopeless situations around and he turned this hopeless situation around for this woman, bless God, and canceled all of her debts. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I think about Job. How many of you know he lost his health? He lost his money. He was down on his luck, so to speak, if you want to use the word luck. How many of you know things went south for Job? He was in a bad way, wasn't he? He was in a bad straits, bad way. But you know what? He prayed for his friends. And the Bible said that when he prayed for his friends, the God of hope showed up and turned his captivity. And at the end of Job's life, he had, he had, at the end of his day, he had twice as much as at the beginning. Can anybody say amen? And then Jehoshaphat, how many of you know, have you ever heard of Jehoshaphat? How many of you is glad you're not named Jehoshaphat? But you see, Je- <laughs> he, you think he had a weight problem. I don't know. Jehoshaphat. Hey, at this point, I'd take booze. I'd take anything. But there was a great army come out against him, you see. Great army come out against him. And you know what he did? He set himself to seek the Lord. And then the Spirit of God came on Jehaziel. And he said, you'll not need to fight in this battle. All you need to do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And when those enemy troops showed up, they just stood still. And the Lord kicked in. The angels showed up. Glory to God. And Jehoshaphat had a great victory. Can anybody say amen? Glory to God. Then you had some lepers at a gate. How many remember the lepers at the gate? And they're at the gate of the city. And the city's under siege. And if they go out into the enemy camp, they're going, to get, they're going to get killed if they go back into the city. There's no food in the city. Now you talk about a hopeless situation between a rock and a hard place. That's a tough situation. You go out, you go that way, you're going to die. You go that way, you're going to die. So what did they do? Well, the one of them said, why sit here we till we die? Let's do something. And they said, there's no reason to go back in the city because there ain't no food back there. Let's go out into the army enemy's camp. Maybe they'll have mercy on us or whatever. And the Bible says at twilight they moved. And you know what? When they moved at twilight, the Bible says God moved. You know, you might be between a rock and a hard place today and God's just waiting for you to make a move, you see. Maybe God's just waiting for you to stop complaining and and going on. And maybe he's just waiting for you to make a move. Maybe he's just waiting for you to obey him. And you see what they did? They made a move at twilight. And the Bible says at twilight, God caused confusion or whatever to come into the enemy camp. And when they walked out in the enemy camp, their enemy was gone. And they they got all the spoil of the enemy. Can anybody say amen to that? 
And then Daniel in the lion's den. You say, what are you doing, Pastor Terry? I'm trying to get you into some hope here this morning. I'm trying to get your hopes up, you see. I'm trying to get you excited. This church, We need a little excitement, praise God. We need to get our hopes up. Can you... Huh? I, we need to get our hopes up. Daniel... He's in the lion's den. How many of you like to go in the lion's den? He's in the lion's den. But guess what? The, the, the Lord sent, sent the angel and shut the lion's mouth. Maybe the, the devil who goes about as a roaring lion, he, maybe he's harassing you and, and telling you all kinds of stuff that he's going to do to you. But I'm telling you what, if you'll not compromise your morals and stand strong on the word of God, I'm telling you what, that God can send his angel just like he did to Daniel and shut the lion's mouth. He can send his angel and shut those naysayers in your life. Glory to God. Then you got the Hebrew children there in the fiery furnace. Does anybody remember the Hebrew children's names? They were Shad, Me, and anybody go, they're in the fiery furnace. Now you know why they got in the fiery furnace? They got in the fiery furnace because they would not compromise. They were young people, they wouldn't compromise. They didn't care what anybody else thought. They were going to serve God. They didn't do anything wrong. How many of you know there's a lot of times you can do nothing wrong and still wind up in the devil's furnace? And he's in the devil's furnace. They're in the devil's furnace. And it's stoked up seven times hotter than it was before. They're in the devil's furnace. And guess what? Guess what? There's somebody showed up. Does anybody know who showed up in that furnace? Jesus, that fourth man, he showed up in the fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar wanted to go back down there and see them all burned up. And when he got down there, he, he saw not only sh- 